Hi, I'm Jared Ball, Chief Economist at CEDA, and welcome to our Policy Snacks podcast, a series of bite-sized explainers about today's big policy ideas and issues. And today we're talking about monetary policy, and in particular, the Reserve Bank's unconventional monetary policy. What is it, and is it working? We heard a bit about unconventional monetary policy after the global financial crisis, when some central banks overseas started applying it to help with their economic recovery. But Australia didn't join the experiment until COVID-19 hit last year. To discuss how it's working here, I'm joined by Belinda Chung. She's Director of Fixed Income and Currency Strategy at the Commonwealth Bank. So thanks for joining us, um, Belinda. To start off, just can you explain for us exactly what is conventional monetary policy and then, of course, what is unconventional monetary policy in contrast? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, look, conventional monetary policy is when central banks target a short-term interest rate and they typically call that the policy interest rate and they do this to achieve their objectives, okay? So changing the policy interest rate influences other interest rates in the economy. So changing that one Um, Short-term interest rate has the effect of changing the cost of borrowing, um, changing the um, incentive to save, changes exchange rates and asset prices. And all of this influences people's decision-making process um, and, of course, will have an effect on economic activity, demand, employment and inflation. Now, unconventional monetary policy aims to do the same thing, to have an effect on activity, demand, employment, inflation, but it goes beyond targeting just the short-term rate. And so just to sort of give an overview, there are broadly five main tools in that unconventional toolkit. Um, And these include things like forward guidance, asset purchases, term funding facilities, um, changes to market operations and negative interest rates. So these unconventional policies have become the primary mechanism Um, by which central banks achieve their objectives over the past um, decade or so. And I guess just to make this really sort of real for people, in simple terms, what are some of those tools that the Reserve Bank has utilised on this front since COVID hit? Mm. So the Reserve Bank has taken four of those five main classes of unconventional tools um, in order to set an ultra-accommodative monetary um, stance in the Australian economy. So the RBA have um, had to have recourse to unconventional policy because interest rates were already so low prior to uh, when the pandemic hit. And so they've got to go beyond that usual conventional toolkit. And what they've done is they've chosen to use forward guidance, asset purchases, the term funding facility, to their market operations. And specifically, um, the RBA has lowered its policy interest rate to near zero, introduced a target for the three-year government bond, um, enhanced its forward guidance, um, introduced a program to purchase government bonds, and um, introduced that term funding facility. So the RBA hasn't deployed negative rates. Well, and on that, so um, clearly, clearly that's right, they haven't deployed negative rates and they've been very clear um, that, that that's not an option that they're exploring. What what are their concerns and, and do you think they're warranted? Yeah, look, negative rates 
suggests that instead of earning um, interest on money you'd deposit in a bank, well, people would be charged by the bank to deposit money. And theoretically, that should encourage people to spend rather than save. But in practice, the evidence for this is really mixed. Look, in the short term, negative interest rates um, are effective in the sense that they will have an exchange your exchange rate will depreciate against those of your trading partners. And that should cause um, a stimulatory effect. But over the medium term, persistently negative rates can encourage more savings um, as households look to, to preserve the value of their saving um, when they know that uh, when they look ahead that they have to probably save more um, in order to actually purchase um, large goods, for example. So negative interest rates, um, perversely, don't necessarily encourage people to spend. And they can also have an impact on the banking system more broadly um, and impair the banking system's ability to lend to households and businesses. And that would produce a contractionary effect rather than the desired stimulatory effect. So it's early days, um, but we do know that that already the economy seems to be recovering much more rapidly than we'd expected, and there's certainly been a big fiscal stimulus in the system to help with that. Um, but do you think unconventional monetary policy as deployed to date has done the job as well? Um, in terms of effectiveness, um, it's it, like you point out, it is early days, but we can see some evidence of the effectiveness of the whole toolkit that has been deployed. Um, the Reserve Bank has estimated that their bond purchase program has lowered yields on government bonds by around 30 basis points and has also had the effect of lowering the exchange rate by around 5% in trade-weighted terms. And so all these sorts of things have a very big stimulatory effect on the economy because it lowers borrowing costs, um, encourages exports. So. So yes, it, it does tend to um, have the stimulatory effects um, that the Reserve Bank is after. And have there been any any negative impacts? Obviously, a lot of focus at the moment on um, a very strong housing market. Um, have there been any any negative impacts or or unforeseen consequences? Do you think of of the monetary policy we've seen to date? Yeah. Look, I think you know I'd probably start off by answering that um, and saying that monetary policy is a blunt instrument. Um, so that's true whether or not conventional or unconventional tools are used. And I don't necessarily think it is an unintended or unforeseen consequence. I think it is a really foreseen consequence that um, low interest rates would lead to stimulus in the housing market. And that, that is a essentially a trans transmission mechanism for the Reserve Bank to stimulate activity in the housing market so that um, more investment is is put into the housing market. So so if prices go, the idea is that um, you know more supply will come online. More supply essentially means that you have more construction, and, and that is what we are seeing at the moment. Um, that there are more construction loans being taken out, and there are obviously incentives being other incentives um, other than monetary policy that are also stimulating the housing market. So through um, first home buyer grants and home building grants and things like that. And all that sort of stuff will help to to um, transmit monetary policy, I guess. And the final question, the big one that economists are debating at the moment, 
obviously recent analysis by both the RBA and Treasury um, shows that we're a ways away yet from full employment or um, the natural rate of unemployment. Should the RBA be doing more, do you think? Um, so definitely the RBA is continually monitoring the situation and the effectiveness of its package and will do more if required. Um, I guess, like you pointed out earlier, the situation is is evolving all the time and there's own, like we've only had, for example, true quantitative easing since November of last year. So it does take time for these packages to um, flow through the economy and that effect of the stimulus to flow through. So in terms of doing more, um, well, it really is a question of um, are the economic outcomes improving? Are we seeing these highly supportive monetary conditions actually turn into um, positive outcomes and helping the Reserve Bank hit its goals for inflation and unemployment. And look, um, as those economic outcomes improve and progress is made towards these targets, the Reserve Bank will wind back its stimulus. Now, at this point, um, our economics team at Commonwealth Bank forecasting that, that we are seeing better than expected um, outcomes, and that will translate to the Reserve Bank reducing the size of its bond purchase program to around $50 billion when the current program is finished. And the Reserve Bank will probably also allow its yield target to roll down at the July meeting. And that effectively serves as a, fo a form of forward guidance. So, so look, as the Australian economy recovers from the pandemic, we do expect that um, the, the progress that the Reserve Bank will need to see will be made and um, it is a journey back to full employment and actual inflation to be consistent with the target, that will likely be a long one. So the Reserve Bank will probably need to maintain these supportive settings for some time to come, but we do see some tapering of that stimulus. Well, that's a that's a good note to end on in terms of what we should expect to see in, in coming months and years. Thanks, Belinda. That's Belinda Chung. She's Director of Fixed Income and Currency Strategy at the Commonwealth Bank. And I'm Jared Ball, Chief Economist at CEDA. If you want to hear more CEDA podcasts, you can subscribe using your favourite podcasting app. Thanks for listening. <laughs>